Please turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. We are going to share the last of all of the covenants tonight. The new covenant we have finally reached. And there are scriptures in Isaiah that would speak of this new covenant. There are scriptures in Ezekiel that speak of this new covenant. And we may share a few in Ezekiel tonight. But the foundational scripture for the new covenant we're going to share, we find in Jeremiah chapter 31, starting in verse 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. As we look into the participants in this covenant, this is God's covenant to Israel. And of course, as we consider the blessings and everything that comes from the new covenant, that that we are all participants in that. You know, the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, that, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Romans chapter 11, around verses 23 and 24, it talks about the Gentiles being grafted in. The gospel first went out to the Jews, the salvation message first to the Jews, but then the Gentiles were graft in. I've never seen it, but but I've been told you can take a tree and you that that word graft means to to cut into. And and you can take a tree. I, I don't know if you could do it with an oak or a ma- and a maple. Let's just use the, those for simplicity, but say you have an oak tree and there's a way to graft in the maple to that oak so that you might have an oak trunk but you have but you have maple branches as well as oak branches grafted in and that's a picture of the gospel going out to the Jews but then also to the Gentiles that all may be saved so the participants in the covenant though as it was written in this day and time it's God's covenant to Israel And then as we look at the provisions in this covenant, we're going to take a look at nine provisions of the new covenant as we've gone on from the other covenants. 
the provisions of the new covenant. And in the end of verse 31, it says, I will make a new covenant. And it says, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, now that serves to let us know that this is for the entirety of Jewish humanity that this is given. The entirety of the Jewish nation. This is the reason for both of these houses being included here. It would include the descendants of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. It's for the whole Jewish nation. And, and so for the second provision we have in the covenant... Uh, we see in verse 32 um, that this covenant, the new covenant, it is clearly distinct from the Mosaic covenant. The new covenant and the law of Moses, uh, there's a distinction here. There's a difference here. Look what it says there in the beginning of verse 32. It says, not a that I made with their fathers. So the new covenant is not according to the Mosaic covenant. That I like to call it the, the new Messiah covenant, if you will. The Messiah covenant and then the Mosaic covenant, if you will. The new Messiah covenant is not further detail of the Mosaic Covenant and the law of Moses. It's nothing that attaches and flows smoothly with that. It's a different covenant, this new covenant is. It's different from the law of Moses. It's an unconditional covenant. And the Mosaic Covenant was a conditional covenant. So we have major differences here in these covenants. But for a third provision and thought we can have on this new covenant. The new covenant promises regeneration. Look in verse 33, where it's... I will refer to this part a few times for a few things, but right now, concerning regeneration, look at the inward work. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, which speaks of the blessing of salvation. You know, not, there's not very many of Israel that are saved right now. They're going to be, but they're not right now. And understand that, that back in that day, back in the day when, when they were delivered from Egypt, not all of Israel was saved. They, they had a knowledge of God and they were the, with the people of God, but not everyone was saved. You know, there were all kinds of types of Christ all around them. Everyone had the opportunity to be saved, but they did not come to know the Messiah. The Bible says, this is eternal life, that they might know thee. Not that they might acknowledge my commandments. Not that they might be with everyone else in the wilderness among the people of God as the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night is followed and they're tagging along. All weren't saved, though all could have been saved. Um, so, so, But this new covenant promises regeneration. Saved, saved, saved. And then the fourth provision, there's coming a time when all Israel will be saved. There's coming a, a great time with the second coming of Christ 
and when everything unfolds and the millennial reign that, that Israel is going to be saved. That's why in verse 34, you'll notice, it says, and they shall teach no more. What shall they teach no more? Well, the, the middle of that verse, know the Lord. They shall teach no more, know the Lord. Why? For they shall all know me, the Bible says. So all Israel will be saved. And as we move right along into the fifth provision for this new covenant, there is a provision for the forgiveness of sins. Look at the end of verse 34. It says, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The new Messiah covenant does what the Mosaic covenant could not do. It could not provide salvation. It could not provide the forgiveness of sins. In the Mosaic covenant, there was the covering of sin. There was, there was the animal sacrifice, which was a shadow of things to come. I've explained it this way before, and I'll say it for people who maybe haven't heard it. It's kind of like having a white linen tablecloth out on the table and some juice, some grape juice, let's say, is spilled on the table and stains it, and, and it's time for dinner, and you can't, you can't wash and cleanse it, so you take a white linen napkin that looks just like it, and you put, put it over and, and say, come on in, family, this will do for now. And that's what it was like before Christ came, the Lamb slain. He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But until Christ came and went to the cross once for all to be our great high priest, there was only the covering of sins. And it didn't clear the conscience. Man, so think about this, this new covenant. This new covenant to them as they hear about not the covering of sins and an annual revisit of that, but the forgiveness of sins and remembering sins no more. What, what an amazing provision we have here in the forgiveness of sins. They only knew covering, but they didn't know the taking away of sin. But that comes with the new covenant. And then as we look at the sixth provision for this covenant, what we also see in verse 33 concerning the inward working is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. For a person to be a Christian, they have to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And make no mistake about it, that happens the moment that a person is saved. Otherwise... What would we do with Romans 8, 9, which says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So a second blessing of earnestly seeking the Spirit later after you're saved, that can't be. Be You're not saved if you're earnestly seeking the Spirit because you receive the Spirit, which is the Son, which is the Father, at the same time when you are saved. So we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the inward work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit within the believer. You know, the failure to keep the law of Moses 
I mean, it was due to a lack of power. It was due, it was due to a lack of, of supernatural, if you will. And, and the, the law was never meant to be kept. And, and, and people, people do away with the law. And, and I'm going to talk about the doing away of the law of Moses in one sense, but not the moral standard of that law. We, we just, we live according to that law by way of the Holy Spirit within us. And we do it for the glory of God, not to try to get to heaven. All right? So we have a provision here of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The power to actually be able to keep the law. The new covenant does empower by the Holy Spirit to keep the righteous standard of God. For His glory, because that's why we're left on this earth before we're taken to heaven. Again, it's not to be saved. If a person is going to try to do good deeds in order to get their way into heaven, what did Christ die for? We frustrate the grace of God and His gift when we put anything of ourselves in it to try to get to heaven. It is only by grace through faith. It is God's gift. If I gifted you and you wanted to pay for it or earn it by doing something, it wouldn't be a gift anymore. Salvation is a gift. This new covenant is a gift. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of God through the person of the Holy Spirit to lead us to be able to live the Christian life. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is a byproduct of salvation that comes simultaneously right with it. Well, a seventh provision tonight, seventh provision for the new covenant. Israel will not only be spiritually blessed with salvation, but Israel will be materially blessed. They, they had the opportunity to be much more materially blessed than they were, you know, back in the day in the wilderness, but it was a lack of faith and it was disobedience to the Lord that they weren't blessed. But in Ezekiel 34.25, I'm going to go there and read that. And it says in 34 and 25, And I will make them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. And I will cause the shower to come down in the season. There shall be showers of blessing. There you go. Ezekiel 34 and 26. If you want to know where the title and the inspiration for the hymn came from. There shall be showers of blessing. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit. And the earth shall yield her increase. And they shall be safe in their land. And shall know that I am the Lord. When I have broken the bands of their yoke. And delivered them out of the hands of those that serve themselves of them. So the spiritual blessings far outweigh any material blessing. They will be material, materially blessed as they are spiritually blessed. And then, and then the sanctuary will be rebuilt. 
the sanctuary that was destroyed. In the Mosaic Covenant, that provided for the building of the tabernacle. You know, they, they, they precisely and meticulously, by certain measurements and in certain ways, built the tabernacle. And they also had to take it down as they moved through the wilderness and set it up again, set up the outer courtyard and set up the holy place and set up the holy of holies and, and the showbread and the ark of the covenant. And that was the, the, a representation of the presence of God that was going with them. That was a reminder to them that the Lord was with them. You might think that they didn't do very well with the reminder a lot of the times, but that, but they had, uh, set up the tabernacle. And then the Davidic covenant provided for the temple. David wanted to build a house for God. And it was a great thing to do, but that's not what God would have happened. So Solomon was the one that built the first temple. Okay? And then in the new covenant, it provides for the rebuilding of the sanctuary, or some might say messianic temple, or the millennial temple. The sanctuary was destroyed before, but it will be rebuilt forevermore, and it will be a continual reminder of all that God has done. He helps us out. He gives us those things. Whenever Israel crossed over, into the promised land, they had built a memorial of 12 stones. And then they did it again. And it was a reminder, and they could take their kids and, and talk about the miraculous work of God taking Israel into the promised land. When we take of the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for you and I. I remember my foolish days before I was saved, but in church, and not even knowing what the Lord's Supper was really about. Making jokes about it. Man, God's merciful. But it's a reminder of His broken body, of His shed blood for you and I. God gives us those reminders. There's going to be a sanctuary forever as a reminder of what God has done. The ninth provision the new covenant contains a new law. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27, you don't have to turn there. You're familiar with the verses. I'm going to read them though. Jesus says, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. There, there's the Ten Commandments and one of them being thou shalt not kill. And we find in the New Testament in 1 John 3.15 that whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Similar but different also, okay? And then in Leviticus 19.18, it says, But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But what did Jesus say in John 15.12? Love one another as I have loved you. 
So we're taken from a man's standard look of things and how we treat another to Christ's standard of how we treat one another. And we all know that Christ died for us. He gave His life for all of us. And, and that's the law we look to today. I don't think many people ever really understood much about love your neighbor as yourself. Clearly, no one would put an emphasis on it's okay to love yourself. I mean, where does that fit in in God's Word with the Scriptures, you know? Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's think about this focus for that word there. We're just as happy for someone else to get the promotion and the raise as if it were us. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're just as happy if we're praying to the Lord for, for a spouse as, as the other person who finds a spouse. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see where the emphasis is. It's on loving another. It's clearly not about loving self. Even though I have heard, and, and I'll just leave alone what I've heard about that from another preacher. Um, and we'll, we'll move on from there. There's a new motivation for keeping the new law as the motivation for keeping the Mosaic law. The law of Moses would say, do in order to be blessed. The new messianic law would say, you've been blessed, you are blessed, therefore do, because you're blessed. There are similarities and differences in the law of Moses and the law of the Messiah. But we can be sure there's a new law and the new covenant. And just closing with a few points on this tonight, going back right back over it again, not not uh not thinking within myself that we've just have all clarity on this. Just a few points as we close. We're gonna go back through 31. I don't need to read it. We've I've read it, we've looked at it, but here we see, as we're closing, we see a brand new covenant. It's not new to God, but it was new to the people of God. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? And God has always been ready for everything that was to come. We, We stop and think about our Father, and we don't consider sometimes how He's not limited by time. And He sees all, and He's all-knowing. And so, a brand new covenant, but not new to God. It was always in His plans. And, and we could see it coming in the birth of Christ. And we can see the fulfillment of the law in the life of Christ. And then it came to full effect, coming to full effect, at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and into the millennial reign of Christ. Jesus Christ is the brand new covenant. It is He, and it took the place of the broken covenant. In verse 32, you see the broken covenant. God delivered Israel from Pharaoh. He delivered them from Egypt. In, in, in a marriage-type relationship, he used the word of father. He was an father to them. 
He took them out of Pharaoh's presence in slavery. And He took them into His own presence and guidance. He made a covenant with them. And Israel broke it. The Mosaic covenant was conditional. And Israel did not meet the conditions of it. And it was broken. And that's why I like so much in verse 33. In the middle of the verse it says, After those days. After those days. We see a believing covenant. We come to believe and the Holy Spirit lives within. And the Lord writes not on tables of stone, but He writes His Word in our heart. We're we're living letters, if you will. We have the Word of God within. He writes within our hearts. The new covenant is not about the weight of guilt under the law, but a living law written in the heart. The believing covenant is know the Lord. I hope everyone here tonight knows the Lord. I hope you've come to that place in your life where you have trusted and believed in Jesus and you have a relationship with Him. You don't just try to follow His teachings and come with a family and and gather and attend church faithfully, but you know the Lord. We would be surprised if we knew how many are engaged in operating in Christianity, but they don't really, they're not really operating because there's not a personal relationship. They haven't come to know Him. This is eternal life that they might go to church, keep His skin. No, that they might know Thee. It's, it's too simple to be true, but it's true to know Him. Just to look to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. We can take all religion away and all the cartwheels you can do for God away and just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll call the end of verse 34 here the the blood covenant. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of our perversion. All of our crookedness. All of our waywardness. All of our rebellion. All of our stubborn attitude, all of our fleshly feelings and acting upon those, a heart that deviseth a wicked imagination, it's, it's within. And, and God laid that on His Son for all of us. He was broken, He was battered, He was beaten with stripes for every single one of us. The blood part of this covenant. He has he has given his body and his body's been broken because of our sin. He took it upon himself and to look to Jesus, to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior provides pardon from that sin that everyone has that everyone has in the womb. 
that everyone has because of Adam. We don't even have to look to ourselves, look to Adam and the sin that passed on every man that has brought about death. All of that was laid on the precious Lord Jesus Christ. Our sin and our sin after trusting Him not to be recollected not to reoccur in the conversation, not to be mentioned, not to be reaccused again. Of course, that makes me interject what God has given us daily to do, us forgiven Christians daily to do. And that is to simply deal with the remains of the flesh that are around that we, that we sometimes choose to give power to. And we offend God. And that's to agree with God about it. Go to God about it and agree with God about it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a daily blessed opportunity we have to be washed white as snow by the blood of the Lamb that we might deal with those things. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the Holy Spirit dwelling within the believer is going to lead us to go to God humbly and broken a sinner to confess our sins to Him. Those things He died for. Those things He paid for in our place that we would confess them, and as Proverbs 28, 13 says, that we would forsake them, that we would ask for the strength that we wouldn't do this over and over. I heard the celebrity on TV say, I'm just going to ask forgiveness for forgiveness right now because I've won this award, and I'm going to go do all kinds of things tonight. And that's not, that's not how it works with the child of God, with the convicting comforting Holy Spirit living within. We, we can't be the same about it anymore. But praise God, praise the Lord that He has done all of that for you and I through His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and maybe some would say, hey, you went through eight messages and I was just good with the last end of this message. What did we do all that for? The Word of God is beautiful. The Word of God, to know, just to go through the steps of what God has done that brought about a glorious Savior to save us from all of our sins. I mean, He took us through the fall of man and the flood of the earth and the promise to Abraham and the promise of the land and the giving of the law and the dynasty of David and the, then the grace the grace of the new covenant, all of this brought us to Jesus Christ and the heart of our Father and what He did for us as we were lost, dead in our sins and darkness. His own Son, His most prized possession, took our place. And He said it's finished on the cross at Calvary. And He can forgive our sins and remember them no more. Let us remember that. Let us remember what God has done for all of us. Well, we're going to close in a word of prayer, and I want to invite the teenagers over to the gym, and we'll go upstairs and not disturb Awana for a few minutes. Then we'll go down in the gym. And so let's have a, have a word of prayer right now.